Welcome to the Apartment Operators Podcast, where you can learn from experienced operators what it really means to be an apartment operator. No fluff, no sugarcoating, just the raw, unfiltered truth of the ups and downs of operating multifamily communities. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Operators Podcast. Uh, my name is Joseph Goffman. I'm your host. And today we have a very special guest, Jason Perot. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Joseph. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, Jason is one of the most awesome operators I know. He's got a lot of uh, units under his belt and he self manages and he's doing everything. He's a one man empire, really. Uh, and he's going to tell us all about it. Give us a few minutes, a little bit about you, what you're doing, how your organization looks like, just so the audience will get a feel for who you are. Okay. Um, started buying property in 2001. Um, was graduated college in 1999, started working, um, you know, started buying rental property, uh, bought my first duplex in 01. Um, next year, my wife and I, we bought uh, a duplex and a quad. And then the year after that, you know, we just kept building it the old fashioned way, just saving up one person's income, living off the other, and just putting down payments on smaller real estate, just trying to build up a little bit of cash flow. Um, during that time, I worked as a medical sales, uh, medical device sales rep, uh, at which time in 2012, I was able to leave that job. I uh, had about 290 units at that time, just my wife and I, no partners. And since that time, we've grown to about 900 units today. Uh, 600 of those units, my wife Nadia and I own uh, just ourselves, no partners, just 100% her and I. And then we've syndicated um, 300 units. So uh, we've done two syndications over the last year, uh, an 86 unit and a 205 unit. Uh, both went really, really well. And that, that's where we are today. And we still self-manage, um, you know, everything in house and uh, all, all in the Erie, Pennsylvania, Northwest Pennsylvania uh, geographic area. And how many people are in that town? Just so everybody will get an idea. Sure. So the the city of Erie is 100,000 people, but the greater metro area, so all the suburbs and everything, is about 350,000 people. Okay. So, so you're not in a huge metroplex, and you were still able to accumulate a very significant amount of units. I'm going to imitate Mark Cuban from Shark Tank for a second and just do this. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> you guys deserve every bit of it. Uh, get into uh, hundreds of units all by yourselves without uh, – without any partners is incredibly impressive. And then uh, you also uh, the, the syndication aspect to your business, that, that is yeah. really impressive. So uh, let's talk, let's just jump straight into it. 900 units, um, how does your organization look like? How many people do you have? Do you self-manage? Do you use a third party? Tell us a little bit. Yep, so we self-manage. Um, and that was probably the hardest part of leaving my day job and still growing the business and, and creating a, a company. Uh, so I think it's really easy to buy rental properties, you know, whether you buy a single family home or a 500 unit complex, but to actually operate it and hire people and, and build a team, uh, that was the hard part for me. So I feel like we finally have it right. So I have a main property manager who also is an acting asset manager. He, uh, he oversees a, uh, a junior property leasing agent property manager for, uh, for about approximately uh, six, five, 500, 600 units. 
and he um, so he and this this individual handle all of the leasing and then he oversees our site managers so I have a uh, uh, about 120 unit portfolio in a small town south of Erie it's a small college town called Edinburgh Pennsylvania so we have a, um, a branch office down there where we have a property manager an office manager um, you know and then and then a mate you know maintenance personnel so you know we have um, it's a really, uh, I've really learned that you have to staff properly. So I have a full-time accountant on staff. Um, you know, I also have, uh, you know, my CPA who I work with very closely that is, um, you know, not on payroll, but, but part of the team. So we, you know, make sure all of our taxes and financial documents are in line at the end of the year. Um, hired an office manager that um, really, really is, is invaluable. I mean, she keeps the, you know, everything moving from, you know, helping the prop, you know, the property manager, the maintenance guys, um, you know, keeping inspections uh, on, on schedule and on task. So um, that was probably one of the best hires I've made just because she's kind of the glue. She's the organizer of, of everything because there's so much going on at once. Um, but we have, so we, you know, we have, like I said, we have site managers at, at our larger properties, but then, you know, in-house property managers that, um, manage the site managers and and kind of the overall uh, leasing part of the business so they work closely with our maintenance manager and maintenance team and so um, we will subcontract certain things out but i found it's uh, way more cost effective to hire a guy uh, on payroll that say is a, is a great at flooring or hire a guy full-time who's a wizard with drywall repair and painting and if you can keep these guys full and keep their schedules full just better to continually have work for them and we just go a lot further that was our biggest challenge is finding the, the quality work the guys that actually want to show up be part of a growing company um and that's probably you know that's probably content for a whole other <laughs> conversation but um really attracting the like learning how to attract quality people but also keep quality people and help them grow and achieve their goals and so um and so we have a whole maintenance staff, you know, and, and we, even from like our bottom entry level guys that might go out and cut grass and clean out vacant apartments and things like that. We try to attract people that have a growth mindset. So, you know, maybe they come in and they're at $10 an hour and they're cutting grass and they're, you know, doing this menial work. But if they, you know, maybe they're not highly educated, but they want to come in and learn a trade, you know, they can learn and, and apprentice under, some of our senior guys and over a period of time can, can really elevate their career and, and have some nice benchmarks for them to be able to, you know, up their income, um, you know, maybe, maybe get some more benefits, uh, you know, through the company and things like that. So we try to plot a plan for their future so that as I grow, these guys can grow and then we can hopefully promote from within. And that's, that's how we sort of have this, you know, now this guy who's rolling into the asset management mode because we're getting to that unit count where we really need to manage, manage our managers and that's been me, you know, all these years. And so my time's getting pulled in all these directions. So I, I've really started to think about my next steps and what does that look like and who do I need to either promote from within or attract from the outside to come in the organization to, uh, you know, to kind of help that fill that role. Because it, ultimately when, when it started out, just my wife and I, we did it all ourselves. And so we've learned that, you know, we really need to hire people that are better than what, you know, that can do these things better than I can. Um, but that also frees us up for the growth, you know, the growth part of the business. Oh yeah. We're, we're so going to dig into that one. <laughs> but first <laughs> I, I want to ask a little bit about um, the beginning, right? Okay. So did you always self-manage or did you have third party at some point? A lot of our um, 
people that we talk to in operations, there's the ones that believe in third-party management. There's the ones that believe in self-management. There's the people that have gone through the transition. Uh, but wh where did you start? What was the thought process behind, do I get a third-party or do I self-manage? So when we started out, um, you know, the people that I was buying property from and people that mentored me, they all self-managed. I didn't really know any different. Um, so I bought a duplex and, and I couldn't think of, I was buying it for cash flow, So I didn't think any differently, like, Hey, I'm going to go hire somebody to run this for me. So, um, unfortunately, like when things would break, I'm not handy at all. I'm still not handy. So I, I learned who to call, you know, who to delegate certain tasks to, but you know, my wife Nadia and I would go and paint the apartment. We would clean it out. We would get it ready for rent and we would advertise the rental and, and then, um, you know, le lease the property up. So that's how we did it the first say four years in the business. Um, 2005, I, I was at 23 units and then we acquired a 56 unit portfolio, uh, from a guy who was my first real business mentor in the, in the, in the real estate business. And he had built up at the time, what I thought was an amazing portfolio, 128 units. I ended up buying all of that from him over the years, but he, uh, I was so impressed with this guy and he, he ran such an awesome business, taught me a ton. And I said, wow, I can do that. Um, but I also had a full-time job um, that was really demanding. And my, my uh, son was born in 2005. So going from like 23 to 79 units, I was able to hire in uh, the maintenance guy that worked for my mentor. And then what I found over a period of months was that there was a tenant that had, uh, she was retired, long retired, but had experience in property management. And I said, well, great. She's looking for a part-time job. I can have her start showing apartments. And, and when they started taking all these tasks off of my plate, I said, oh, wow, now I have more time to go buy more property. And, and I have time to you know, dedicate to my job to make more money to buy more property. So I didn't really know any different. I, I had a third-party company call me at one time. And this is you know, 13, 14, 15 years ago. And they said, hey, would you be interested in, in um, us managing your property? And you know, they wanted 10%. I said, man, that, that's, that's my profit. I can't give up 10%. So I just stuck with self-managing. And uh, I, I thought there was a big need, and at least in our market, for a quality third-party management company. Um, sounds like that's in most markets, that it's really hard to find, you know, good property management companies. And um, kind of dabbled in it, but it was, you know, D-class properties, stuff that was really hard to manage, and owners that really didn't want to pony up the money to put into the prop, you know, put the work into the properties that was needed. Mm -hmm. So I quickly got out of that. I dabbled in that for a few years and it just, um, I felt like any money we made just, you know, like wasn't worth the headache and heartache. So yeah, the brain uh, damage, man, yeah. the brain damage, um, it's not worth it. No, but you know, we've evolved our portfolio. So we did have a lot of, you know, smaller properties. Um, but I've, I've ended up selling off a lot of those and, and really transitioning into the bigger, the bigger property. Uh, but even at that, I found that it's, um, and again, not that I'm the best at, or anything like that, but I think when the owner's involved, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I learned from one of my, my first real mentor in the business, uh, his name was Dick. Dick had said to me that you know, no one ever takes as good a care of it as the owner. And that's, that's you know, whether that's true or not, you know, I, um, some third party companies would probably debate that. But what I thought was that if I have my touch on, on the business, you know, whether that's just managing the manager or providing my input, that I'm going to get ultimately what I want out of the properties, which is something that's attractive to own. It's well-managed, well-run. We treat our customers fairly, treat our employees fairly. And then, um, you know, look, if, if kind of the, um, you know, the, the stuff hits the fan, 
uh, then I can roll my sleeves up. And not that that has to happen a lot, but I know that I'm willing to jump in and do whatever's needed, especially now that we have passive investors in our deal and in, in, in our syndication deals. They need to know that I, you know, I'm out there raising money, but I'm also kind of running the show with, uh, with the company. And I think, and that's not for everybody, but I think that is a nice selling point, for, especially in a small market to know that the owner um, is involved in the day-to-day operations. And that, again, that's, for me, it's at a high level. I'm not showing apartments anymore. I'm not doing a lot of that basic work, but I'm, you know, I, I'm working with our managers and, and, and kind of have, you know, our, our folks who have the boots on the ground to give my input and, and direction on how, how I want to see things go. Yeah. And, and that's something I learned is, is true for any kind of business. It's mm-hmm. not just property management, right? Even if you own a shoe store, if you're going to sit yeah. down thousands of miles away, it's not going to operate as well as you've right. been there and visiting and, and guiding the, the people yeah. on site. So, so I get that totally. Uh, so how do you develop the skill to manage hundreds and hundreds of units, right? So you mentioned earlier, one of the common challenges that all property management companies have, whether they're uh, just manage a person that manages their own units or it's a third party, uh, they all have hiring challenges, right? Hiring the right people, what I learned is, is a key in this business. And if you don't have the right people, it doesn't matter what the size of the property management and what infrastructure they have and what technologies they have installed. If the on-site people, the maintenance, the, the managers, they're not the right people, right? it's just not going to work. So um, I, I do want, you, you mentioned earlier that that's a whole topic for another conversation, <laughs> but let's make it a topic for yeah, this conversation because yeah. I think it's super critical on the operations side. And it doesn't matter if you self-manage or if you have a third party how to pick the right people uh, is super critical. So I'd love to hear your insights about that. Sure. And honestly, that, that's something that I, I think I struggled with for so long. I, I, I would be so happy that I had an employee and, and that made me feel good. <laughs> you know, whether they were effective or they were an A player was a different story. And, um, you know, it just, it became something that I think I had to work on myself to be a better leader. Um, and, and I don't know what that really looks like, but, I know that I'm, you know, to be an authority in the business, um, I'm president of our local RIA. Uh, I've done this all myself, so I know what I'm doing. Um, but I found that oftentimes I put an advertisement out there. We try to hire somebody and they'd, they'd want to come in and we're, Oh, you know, oh, you own this many units. We'd love to work for you. And then you put them on the job and three, four, five months later, you find out that, you know, they're a drunk or they're, they're sleeping on the job or they're just not putting the product out there that you want. And, I just had a shift in mindset a couple of years ago, probably around the time that we met. Um, you know, I started thinking about, you know, is it skills or mind, like what, what's teachable? And I feel like you can teach somebody how to lay carpet. You can teach somebody how to paint a wall the way you want it done, but it's really hard to teach mindset. Like you can lead people in personal development and growth, but, but to have a growth mindset, people kind of have to come to that on their own. So I really started focusing on hiring people and attracting people that have like a growth mindset and a positive attitude. Um, I will not hire anybody that's like a Debbie Downer. Oh, you know, it's people that see the negative. I want, I want problem solvers, you know, I don't want excuse makers. And so like, as an example, in our, our most recent syndication, it was a 205 unit complex. The site manager, she was there for 13, 14 years. And, you know, they consistently were at 90% occupancy. 
but they weren't advertising properly online. They, she was very much comfortable being the queen bee on the job, but not, um, not really trying to make, make the property run as efficiently as possible. And um, so I knew I was going to have to replace her. It just, it, I, I knew it wasn't going to be a fit for my personality because she had her ways of doing things and she wasn't open to, to change. And, and for me, it's not that my, right. And it's not that my way is, is the only way. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly changing how we do things to adapt and grow and, 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 you know, better our process. So I knew there was going to be some conflict that if they're not willing to change, I don't really want them on, on, on my team. And, and again, not changing to the way I want doing things, just being open to continually open to growth and learning new things. Um, so we ended up hiring, um, and she's, she was probably the fastest uh, learn or quickest study I've seen in this business uh, from my own experience. But she was a nanny for 23 years. Our kids had gone to school together, and she had, uh, had left that job uh, at the end of the school year, which is about a month we closed on the property on June 28th. And the light bulb went off. I said, my gosh, she's dealt with like, so she had triplets and uh, there's four children right now. And then she had these older kids. I said, oh my gosh, she dealt with, and the kids are really sweet. My, my you know, my, I, uh, I know them. And so I'm not, but, but that's hard. I mean, like, that's a lot of, you know, there's sixth graders now and the other one's a fifth grader. So this girl, you know, this, the, you know, the ex nanny was, you know, leaving her house at, you know, 4.35 in the morning, going and getting these kids ready for school, going home and picking up her, her own daughter and just, solving problems, you know, getting, and she's managing these other kids' lives and her own daughter's life, always with a smile, always with a positive attitude. Um, the parents that she nannied for were, were probably a little bit difficult to deal with. And I saw that, you know, property management is just the people business and it's about solving problems. I mean, you know, I always tell people, you're not, you know, you might be their landlord, but you're also going to be their financial counselor, their marriage counselor, their life coach, you know, their, their business coach, all these, all these hats that you wear as a property manager. And, and so she had that mindset. And so my wife and I talked to her, told her about a possible, you know, um, you know, the possibility of, of, of a job and really explained to her what it looked like, had her shadow one of my property managers for a couple of days to see if this is the type of job that she would, you know, that, that she would, you know, this would be a mutually beneficial thing. But she came in and, and learned the job so fast because it's just systems and procedures. I mean, we, yeah. you know, so we, we taught her the systems and the procedures and you know, that first couple of weeks, she was a little unsure of herself, but now she's, you know, she's hustling. She's got the property damn near full, which is awesome. Like way, way ahead of schedule. So I kind of knock on wood. I'm like, it worked out better than expected, but she was just an example of like hiring for the mindset because she was growth oriented, wanted to grow as a person, you know, really um, just really good with people and wants to learn new things. But if, if I did the opposite and had this person who was a stick in the mud, we'd, we'd still have a 10% vacancy rate and not, not really making any progress at the property. And that kind of goes like even our, on the maintenance side of things, we've hired guys that, you know, they may not have a ton of skill, but you can tell they're quick learners, they're mechanically inclined. And, and so we'll let them apprentice alongside one of our flooring installers, or we'll let them apprentice with our painting team. And then, you know, over a few years, they can get some nice raises and they can, you know, they can kind of come into their own to where they have more responsibility. Um, so I've really focused on that. I don't know that that's the be all end all answer. And I'm sure, you know, the next acquisitions will pose new hiring and firing problems, but that's sort of where we've evolved to today as far as like the type of people we try, try to attract, which makes my life easier so I can focus on growing the company and not, you know, not just getting mad at 
people not doing <laughs> doing the apartments turn apartment turns properly or not dealing with customers properly. So um, so I just found that you know empowering them you know but also you know getting those types that are growth oriented because they're going to be self led and self managed more so than having to like just give them like you know fire out punch lists every day that that's like miserable for everybody. So. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't think about that before, but a nanny is basically very similar to a property manager, right? Because you got to be the mom, you got to be yeah. kind, but you got to be firm, right? Yeah. Just with kids. Uh, it it kind of, it's very tra transferable kind of yeah. skill set. I didn't even think that. But I totally agree with you about hiring for talent uh, and teaching skill. Yeah. Uh, because I can see the difference between a property where we have a maintenance, a lead maintenance guy that walks around smiling and yep. communicates with the residents and the residents love him and he's joking around with them uh, uh, in between. And, and he's, you know, he's got that mentality of I'm here to work and contribute and, and yep. take care of my residents versus the people that just come to punch the clock, the people right. that, that are, you know, walking around with a mopey face around. Uh, yeah. um, it, it's the, the attitude is a huge, huge factor in uh, um, in all these things. But I do have to give it to you. It's a pretty big gamble to take a person that from outside the industry and give them 205 unit profit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so what did you do to kind of hedge that bet? So. Um her daughter and my son went to elementary and middle school together. So we, you know, we knew her and her husband, um, you know, fairly well from school events and, and things like that. Um, you know, explained to her the job and said, look, this is a two way street. I mean, the, my risk, you might be a month into the job and miss nannying so much that, you know what, you go back, you go back and do it for somebody else or you leave the job. But, you know, what we did is, you know, we made sure that we had um, one of our senior property managers spend the first couple of weeks on the job upon closing the acquisition on site with her. And so she always had somebody there to support her and teach her the ropes. Um, but I knew that, you know, buying that property, we were going to replace the site manager anyways. And, and I know, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, like how bad can it get? I mean, if we went from like 10, like it'd get really bad, but, it could I mean, get really bad. <laughs> but you know, there are 10% vacancy rate. And, and I knew that the, um, I knew that the old property manager and maintenance manager didn't get along too well. And I spent a lot of time sort of vetting the different employees that we were going to hire and the ones that we were going to let go from the old, the old business. So, um, so this individual, Tammy, um, so she came on and I, I, I thought, well, yeah, it, it is a, it is a risk, but um, I just, I had faith that she would be able to do the job. And I personally spent a lot of time with her as well. I would, I would show up every, every day on, you know, for the first week or two, you know, now I check in with her every couple of days, you know, we have phone conversations and she's still working with, you know, my, my asset manager spends a morning a week with her and uh, just to kind of really get her up to speed. He goes to eviction hearings with her. He, he's giving her that confidence, but she really, um, you know, but we give her input and we give her a say. I mean, she feels as though she's a part of something bigger. So, um, so for our syndication, my, uh, I have a, a co-sponsor on that uh, on these larger deals. So he and I and our CFO do a monthly meeting where we involve, you know, the head maintenance guys and the property manager. We we share the financials. We we really give her input into, hey, you know, tell us how things are going. We we see how it's going financially, but give us your input. Let's let's try different things out. And I think that giving her that sort of that that feeling that she of ownership in her job 
um, has gone a long way to, to kind of creating a happy, you know, happy environment for her. And we've let her experiment with things. We said, hey, you know, I said, I'd love to do things for our tenants. What do you think? And she said, well, I'd love to try a game night. Can I, you know, can I buy some pizzas and, and do like board games? And we had like 20 residents show up. So 10% of the residents showed up for this game night a few weeks ago and and it wasn't expensive so um so it's not just us dictating how her job has to go it's here's what we expect but you can have a lot of fun with this and do things that you think are going to be great for your community and she sort of embraced that now look if it didn't work we would like we both knew going in that there was that possibility that it wouldn't be a fit um, and I think we we're both lucky that it was a fit and that that uh, that she loves it but if it wasn't we would have we would have went back to the drawing board and figured out you know, how to attract somebody that was a better fit. So do you have, you, you mentioned systems and processes. So do you have like manuals and, and everything that you hand over? So she knows how to do, like you said, evictions and notices, fair housing rules. How do you train yeah. that from someone that is completely new to the industry? Tell, give us a little yeah. bit of, because again, it's a very high risk yeah. to bring someone from outside. Uh, but I also believe in finding the right uh, uh, talent, like we talked about. So, for example, on larger property, when you have an assistant manager, that they're usually more logistic oriented. Yeah. Um, then I always uh, advocate to find someone that has been an assistant manager of a big department store, like a JCPenney oh, yeah. or a yeah. Macy's or, or one of these big ones, because these guys are phenomenal right, right. They, they get things ticking and they're the logistics person at the store yeah, they're process, process oriented right so exactly so yeah. so I, I i believe in bringing people from outside the industry but there's still that yeah. concern of how do you get them up to speed with yeah. the industry rules regulations laws yeah. and so on well and that's been a growth area for me so um so the short answer is that it's a work in progress. So we, you know, part of me hiring in my office manager slash business manager, um, I had hired her eight years ago as assistant office manager for our local RIA that I'm now president of. Um, and when I was vice president, I was in charge of personnel. And um, I always said if it didn't work out with our organization that I would hire her in my personal business. And so that evolved, you know, and you know, about a year ago, she approached me and said, hey, I'm looking for a change of pace. So she's she's very um, has experience in, with property management before coming over to um, uh, to the our RIA, and part of her job is is creating the manual. So in the past, when my wife and I did it, and then we'd hire property managers, it was a lot of verbal training and, and on the job training. But I realized that that that's great. But how long do I want to continue to do that? <laughs> so yeah. um, so we have all the forms and we have like you know our our standard lease and our addendums and all these all these things. But really, what we um, you know, what I've tasked, her name's Yvonne, is our office manager, um, creating the calendar in the manual that, okay, here's, you know, here's how each month should go from a workflow perspective. You know, first through the fifth, rents are coming in. The sixth, check the delinquency, you know, the delinquency um, uh, chart, uh, people who are delinquent and, and, you know, then post, you know, post five-day notices and kind of create a calendar of all the tasks that need done in a given month. Um, but then, then the, the forms and process spelled out within the manual on how we, how we do that. Um, she's also working on that for apartment terms and maintenance, you know, like, like maintenance policies and how, so everybody kind of follows that certain, uh, that certain process. So it's, it's like McDonald's. I mean, it's not, not I'm not franchising Paro real estate, but, you know, if we add on a, a maintenance guy, then they know 
okay, here's how I handle this type of situation. And, and look, it's, it's a tough business. I mean, there's not, it changes every day. There's, there's a thousand different things that can go wrong. And just when you think you've seen it all, something new, like some new scenario pops up. You learn but, something new every yeah, day. Um, <laughs> but, but it's more like, um, so, so we've got that for both sides of the business and that, that's what we're working on. And so it's, so we do have that, that system on paper to show how we handle. Right. And then, um, but we have that for the property management is what, you know, so it's like, yeah, that monthly task list, but also how we onboard tenants and how we screen tenants and then, you know, how we store that information. And so, so they do it consistently. And, and so, um, I mean, our, our property managers follow a script, but we let them be themselves too. I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, not, I don't want them to be a robot. If yeah. I need that, I could hire a VA from, you know, from halfway across the world to do that. But we want that human element. So we let, the, let them put their personality into it, but, you know, very, make sure that they're very, um, very in tune with, uh, you know, fair housing, um, you know, HUD rules, all, all these things, because, you know, we don't want to get, um, say the wrong thing or do the, yeah, or do the wrong thing. So, um, so we just, you know, we try to make sure that, and I mean, but our, but again, our most recent property manager, she was a program administrator for HUD prior to coming to work for us. And, and so again, hiring for, uh, hiring for mindset, you know, she ha has the mindset, has the experience of dealing with customers, but also knows the law. We just have to train, you know, we just have to train her on how to lease units and how to sell, but she, but she has that, the other, the other part of the business there. So, um, so that's a huge asset because she's, she's training our other folks on like, Hey, you can say this, but you can't say that. And here's how we, you know, here's how we want to mar market our things. So we're not doing something, you know, inadvertently doing it wrong. Like something as simple as, you know, like, you know, brand new apartments, great for a young family. Well, you can't say yeah. that, you know, <laughs> and, and people don't realize oftentimes that they're, they're giving the appearance of discriminating, even though they're not intending to discriminate. Right. So, yeah. That's the thing. So great for a young family with kids. Well, you know, what if it's a same sex couple with, with, you know, dogs? I mean, you know, there, but there's testers out there on the market, as you know, that, that can come in and then just, um, you know, find your company for saying or doing the wrong thing. So well, it goes um, beyond testers, right? There yeah. are also professional scammers oh, that, yeah. that try to trip your leasing agents. And we've had that uh, we've seen that before, thank God, not on my property, but uh, on one of our customers and, uh, they sued them, right? Yeah. Uh, for, because somebody tripped and it's like you said, not intentional. Uh, so that's why at least fair housing rules is super critical yeah. to make sure that your team is, uh, well-versed in, and what they can and cannot do and what to say. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I wanted to touch a little bit, you, you kind of talked about that uh, in brief about what do you do for your residents? Yeah. Because uh, in, in my experience, the number one key in operations is retention. Yeah. Because if you don't have good retention, then it's a revolving door and everybody is working harder. Yeah. The maintenance guys have to do more make credits, there's more work orders, the leasing agents need to lease more units. The expenses obviously skyrocket. Uh, yep. So, what do you guys do for retention? Yep. So, um, I'll I'll tell you what I do, and I'll also share with you. You know, I I one of the challenges with growing so much and self managing is the the retention can get away from you really easily. And so, um, I I over the years I became so obsessed with growing my portfolio, and I would I would just add property and add property without taking care of 
the tenants that were were making me money. And and again, I mean, being a nice guy and all that all that stuff that that helps. But but I mean, um, you know, you want people to to know that you're responding to their needs in a timely manner. You wanna uh, you want people to know that you care and that you're you're um, appreciative of of their business. So um, so I think that's one of the challenges of growth is that that can get away from you, especially when you're like a solo operator because you're just focused on growth and and not realizing that you know there's other things you have to tend to your garden too so um so what happens then is people will um you know they'll end up like just putting any tenant they won't screen properly and so um so then you're putting bad tenants in somewhere they're like you said then the, the make readies increase the maintenance guys workload increases um so it all comes first down to attracting the proper tenant and and so you know we we try to give a, a clean attractive apartment at a, at a price that's not at the high end of the market or the low end of the market. So something that's a very, like people feel like they're getting a good deal for what we offer. Um, so, so, you know, that, that we've kind of gotten back to the fundamentals of, you know, giving a high quality product. Um, but as, as our tenants, you know, run through a life cycle of running a unit. So year two and three, you know, we're trying to, Hey, you resign your lease. We'll give them a, you know, a $10 gift card to, you know, to the gas station and do these little, little giveaways and, and they feel like, okay, Hey, great. I'm getting something back and it's only $10, but what if I'm increasing the rent by $20 a month? I mean, it's a, I mean, that pays for itself over and over again, but it's a little token of our appreciation. Um, we used to do it. Um, I got away from it for about three or four years, started doing it again last year, but we would get everybody a, a Christmas card and, you know, just, you know, again, just be happy holidays. I mean, we, you know, include every, everything, but around, you know, December, they all got a Christmas card and a box of chocolate and, you know, and there was a point in time where I would get, you know, not offended, but I'd get a little down. I'd see all these boxes of chocolate in the dumpster, you know, and then, but then like we, we stopped doing it and people are like, wait, you're not, you know, what, what happened to the, you know, the Christmas, uh, you know, the, the Christmas chocolate. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we, so, so we want to go back and do these little things for tenants to like, let them know that we care. And, you know, even if it's a, like a card from the company signed by my wife and I, you know, I think it's important just to have that personal contact, but um, you know, we, you know, in terms of retention of tenants, so it's, you know, making sure our, our, you know, our maintenance guys and our property managers are professional. They're nice, even to the difficult tenants, you know, the people that, that can make you have a bad day really quickly, <laughs> just, you know, keeping it professional, keeping it, keeping it positive. Um, we're actually at our um, recent syndication, we're doing a tenant appreciation night tomorrow and we're bringing in a couple food trucks and every tenant's going to get um, you know, they're going to get a couple coupons and they'll be able to, you know, just to have some food and drinks and, and hang out. And, and, uh, we'll do that once a year at that complex. And then, but we've invited, um, all of our employees to come and then we're going to, um, we're going to start doing that and like at a, find the location, but do that for all of our other scattered properties and, and, uh, just little things like that don't cost a lot, but people feel like, okay, well, you know, my landlord cares. It's, it's, it's a small amount on the bottom line at the end of the year, but I can guarantee you no other, no other property management companies are doing that in town. Um, and, and, you know, I have fun doing it. So, um, so selfishly I'll enjoy and I'll get the free, we have like a grilled cheese food truck and an ice cream food truck. I mean, I'll be, I'll be fat and happy tomorrow night. Um, so I'm, I'm happy, but it's really cool to see the tenant and it's a chance to like, you know, um, just to get to know your tenants a little bit outside of, you know, outside of just, you know, signing the check or, or, or seeing, seeing their leases. And so, um, you know, it is a people business and, and I enjoy that. Um, that's not for everybody. I know our investors in that syndication 
a lot of them don't want that. You know, they don't want anything to do with with tenants. So we'll, well stay far from right. investors, right? Right. Uh, no, but you you had so many great nuggets in there, and I'm definitely gonna get back to this recording and steal some of your ideas. <laughs> Uh, to do on our properties. But I want to touch back and, and reemphasize something that you said earlier about telling your team how to treat with respect and, and yeah. courteous to the residents. And that's what I like to tell all of our uh, employees is I, I'm not the one paying your salaries. Yeah. The, the property manager, if it's a third party property management, they don't pay your salaries. I don't care what the paycheck says. The people that actually pay your salaries are the guys and girls and families that live in those units 100 percent, yeah so, so you got to treat them with respect you got to give them a good feeling and i also um i have a lot of background in in the retail world and i tell them look when you walk around on the property uh, and you see trash on the floor pick it up right clean doesn't cost money if a resident right. come across Get your eyes up, right? Smile at them and say, hi, how are you doing today? Or have a great day or good morning, mm -hmm. whatever it is. If you walk into a JCPenney or a Macy's and you walk down the aisle and there's an associate, guaranteed 100%, they will raise their head from whatever they're doing and ask, did you find everything you were looking for today, yeah. right? They will acknowledge you and they will offer service. Yep. And that's what we expect our on-site teams to do exactly the same because it's a different feeling when you, you know, you leave your apartment and you go to your car and there is a maintenance guy walking with his head in the, uh, you know, looking at the ground, not acknowledging you versus someone raising their head, looking at you, smiling, saying good morning. Yep. And people are way more receptive when they know you and your team care than if they're, if they're just punching a clock or they're just in it for the money. And it's, um, you just see it time and time again that like if you have that just a positive attitude and inspire that in employees i mean it's it's hard and it's hard to be positive some days i mean do you see how some tenants can ruin ruin a unit and and things like that but um you know what uh, you know you, you turn it you turn lemons into lemonade and that that's how i i try to tell my kids to uh you know to look at things always look for the positive you know the, the positive spin on something and and um you know and look and we we sometimes we've had tenants where they're you know, they'll test every bit of patience you, you have. But I always say, tell my team, I'm like, well, what could we have done differently there? I know this person's a maniac and, and they're, they're like terrorizing us with, you know, like, I mean, you know, some people, you know, how, how just some, some customers can be, but um, what could we have done differently? Should we have not rented to them or how do we, did we not, were we not clear in, in our expectations of how they communicate with us? You know, like just constant self-assessment so we can get better at, um, you know, if it's a pain in the butt, well, how do we get better at it so we so we can like remove that pain in the butt in the future, or how do we respond better so it doesn't a problem doesn't escalate, and, and uh, you know just have, you know things like that. Yeah, I also like to remind our team that if a tenant comes in screaming or upset, it, it might have nothing to do with them. Right. Right. Yeah. Because they might be upset because their boss was writing them all day at work. Yeah. Right. And, and they might be upset because something happened in the family, whatever it is, yeah. right? Um, you you got to be a human being on the other yeah. side. And it's kind of like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. Whether you, the, the, the resident is right or wrong with whatever they're complaining about, you should be sorry as a, as a fellow human being that they feel right. that bad, whatever the reason is. So just because 
you feel sorry that they feel that bad does not mean you admit to be at fault of anything. Right. Right. So, so I, I try to remind everybody. Um, I want to be conscious of your time, so I want to kind of switch over to okay. a few rapid questions uh, uh, that we ask most of our uh, guests. Uh, you do value add, right? I know you do syndications, and, and most of the properties you bought, you found some element to improve. Uh, so give us two, three ways that you guys like to do to raise income. Uh, okay. We'll talk about expenses in a second. That is not the conventional raise rents or, or stuff like that. Sure. Uh, so our new acquisition, we did, uh, we've offered a, um, a concierge trash service. So there's uh, several buildings on, on the property and there's, uh, they're all three stories. And, and so I know a lot of people that they would put their trash on the third story. And then, you know, and again, it's attracting critters or it's just unsightly. So instead of, you know, in the past, we would just post, you know, five day notices and, and you'd be hitting people with a hammer and, and, and they just wouldn't respond. So I said, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we think about, you know, just adding that as a service because, you know, maybe they're not doing it to be disrespectful. Maybe they're just lazy and maybe they'd be happy to pay an extra $25 a month for this, for this concierge service. But um, so we offer that up and we've already got about a dozen people that have taken advantage of it. And again, I know on, on the scheme of things, that's not a huge income thing, but over the, over the course of time, that's, um, that's a nice, uh, that, that can be a nice little boost of, of income. Um, well, you know, we all, even, even if it's not a big boost of income, yeah. it, it's, it, it could be a retention thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a resident thinking twice, well, if I'll go to that place, there's not going to be the person that's going to pick up my trash, right? Ex and like exactly. I said, I'm lazy. I want somebody to take yeah. the trash for me. So, so it could be a retention item right. as well. Uh, uh, what else? So, so we also, at our places where we have parking, we'll, we'll do a resident of the month. So we'll do a reserve parking spot. And then we'll, uh, we'll just kind of randomly like pick, pick my favorites or whatever, but we'll say, Hey, you know, resident of the month, and then they get the best parking spot for that month. And that's kind of a nice little people feel appreciated. So again, it doesn't, it's not a direct, like, Hey, they're paying extra for that spot, but it goes to the retention aspect of the business. Um, the other thing we do, you know, which, which helps raise rents is that, um, you know, when if somebody's been there five years or seven years, say, Hey, we'll come in and you pick the color of paint or you you know, you pick this and we're going to go in and upgrade in your apartment. And then when we're asking for that $50 a month rent increase, but they've just got a brand new backsplash in their kitchen, or they've gotten like a new countertop and they might be things that we would have changed. Um, if they moved we were going to change it anyhow. So, um, so then they're like, Oh wow, I'm paying more rent, but I, it looks like I have a brand new apartment. So they, they feel better about us asking for more money. And, and so mm -hmm. ultimately it gets us, it gets us more money because we haven't, uh, um, uh, you know, we haven't had that to turn the unit, turnover yeah. cost. Right. So, so yeah, you might go throw in a backsplash or you might change the light fixtures, but it becomes, um, well, that's a heck of a lot cheaper than having to go through and do everything. So no, absolutely. Um, yeah. If you can get away with cleaning the carpet, it's a lot cheaper than having to replace it and turn a unit and do paint and change fixtures and whatever you have yeah. to do. Uh, if they would have moved out. Exactly. Okay, so, so let's look at the other side. Uh, what do you do to get, uh, reduce expenses. Yeah. So, uh, on, on the expense side, I, I look at expenses every month. So we, you know, I'll look at my utilities. And so that's one of the biggest, uh, the biggest drains is, is, is utility bills. So even as we've grown so big, I make sure that my financial team is, is always giving me the rundown of all, all the bills. And I know which properties, how many, how many residents there are, um, things like that. And, and I, I, especially the water bills, 
Oh, yeah. I, you know, we, we kind of know, you know, per person how much wa water is going to be utilized. Um, so we have that in our lease, though, that we will charge back for anything above and beyond like normal normal use. And so we're pretty clear about defining that to, to residents, what that looks like. Um, so on, on, on that side of things, you know, um, utilities can be just a big like money suck. And if you don't, if you're not paying attention to it, it gets away from you really fast. So there's, there's utilities, the second side on, on the, um, like, like the make readies and the maintenance stuff. So we, I try to shop around for everything. I mean, whether it's paper towels, like, you know, uh, toilet paper holders, you know, toilet seats, you know, we'll look through, you know, your Lowe's and Home Depot, but your HD supply and appliance warehouses and things like that. And just try to chisel down the price where we can, because if you save a nickel here and a dime there, and we'll buy our batteries from amazon.com uh, because, that. you know, you, you, I can get batteries for a third of the cost off of Amazon as opposed to the local hardware store. But when you're changing smoke detectors and things like that on a regular basis, that, you know, that could be a, a thousand or two thousand a year and that's that's money out of my pocket so so i really look at look at the supply side um and then uh is also on expenses it comes back to retention because if i can retain you know one tenant what does that make ready going to cost me you know is that going to be a thousand dollar turn or a five thousand dollar turn so yeah. so i've really focused then on how do i run my business it's not just about buying units and just get, keeping them full, it's also about reducing that amount of time that we have to spend turning over those units. So getting, attracting and keeping a better quality tenant. And when those higher quality tenants leave, um, hopefully they leave that unit in better shape. So yeah. I had a few this week, security deposits that uh, are going out this week back in full. And I checked with my property manager to make sure that that was accurate. I said, I haven't had like all of them in a month, like in a long time where they were all uh, a full refund. He said, you know, everybody left it in perfect shape. And, and I said, that's, that's like music to my ears because that's less work that we have to do. It always costs us more money to turn the apartment than it does to give a full deposit back. So, um, so I, I've really, so that's, I guess the other thing is educating our tenants. What does a full deposit refund look like? Because they'll get in and they'll scrub that inner part of the stove and they'll get in and clean all the cracks and crevices in the refrigerator and behind the toilet and all those things that we've got to do to, you know, to, to make that, yeah. unit, you know, make ready. So Okay, great. Yeah. Um, what would be a good advice for a new operator, right? Somebody that is just getting started in the business. Yeah, I, I think, um, again, whether they're going to be a self-manager or third-party, you know, operator, whatever it is, find, um, find a mentor in the business and find multiple mentors. So um, I, I think for me, my, my career sort of started to, to snowball when I started working on personal development, uh, working on myself, but also seeking out guys in the business that have been where I want to go. You know, maybe I was at a hundred units and these guys had 200 units or when I was at 10 units and I saw somebody that had 50, I thought, Oh my gosh, like, you know, it was mind blowing to me. So, um, you know, just finding, you know, searching out friends and mentors because, um, our industry, uh, for the most part, compared to other industries, has a lot of people willing to help and willing to share information yeah. and ideas. And so, uh, and it doesn't cost any money. I mean, you, I would also encourage people- Podcast is a testament for that. Yeah. And so go out, but, but yeah, listen to podcasts, read the books, but, um, you know, go, even if it's just the local meetup, those are usually very cheap. That That's a, at a minimum. But, you know, as, as a career evolves, you know, or, or your investing career evolves, you know, spend a little bit of money and go to these conferences and boot camps and things like that and see what, see what fits because you may, uh, you may be able to accelerate your career that much more once you kind of get around people that more people that are doing what you want to do. And, and uh, so I just, I think that's the biggest thing just is, is, 
because it's most, most of its mindset. So, yeah. you know, like we can, we can read it, you know, you can, you and I could talk for 20 minutes and figure out how, how to underwrite or teach somebody how to underwrite a deal, but they're only going to learn that through practice. And, and that comes easy, but what's the mindset of going from one unit to 10 units to a hundred units to a thousand units and, and, and things like that. It's just learning how to, learning how to be a millionaire not just become a millionaire. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's a phenomenal advice. Um, a little twist on that question. If you could go back in time to a younger Jason, right? Uh, what would you, what, and no, you cannot tell yourself that 2009 is the bottom and buy everything you can, right? Uh, uh, other than that, uh, what would you tell yourself? You know, I, I would tell myself to relax. I mean, I don't have any regrets. I'm very pleased and grateful for where I'm at right now. I know that, I mean, you tell yourself different things and you go bigger and whatever. I mean, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely blessed and happy with where I've, where I've come from. But I think early on when I was working my day job, I was so obsessed with money and, and career and, and building this business that um, I feel like I, I feel like that put a strain on my friendships and my, my marriage and, and just wasn't the best version of myself until I stopped caring about that stuff that, or I stopped realizing that nobody else cared. I, I didn't need to prove how good I was to anybody else. It was, you know, and just learning, learning that it's, it's not a competition, just, you know, just give it up. And, and uh, I just was so obsessed. I would work hours and hours and hours in, in the business. And I think that, um, you know, if I was a little bit more free and relaxed about it, maybe things would have come a little easier in the early days. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, so I, I want to thank you for a time. It's been a phenomenal and a lot of really, really good information. Uh, can you tell our audience where they can find you? Uh, if they want to send a referral your way, if they want to reach out, how can they find sure. you? Sure. So uh, uh, Jason Perro, you, you know, you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, my e you can put my email in the show notes if you want. That's jasonperro at yahoo.com. And, um, I, and if anybody wants to schedule, you know, a quick 15 minute phone call with me, uh, they can get on my Calendly Cal schedule, which is just Calendly forward slash Jason Perro. That's very generous of you. Thank you, Jason. Thank and you, we'll Joseph. make sure to put everything in the show notes. Awesome. Uh, great. And for you, the audience, if you want to hear more of our podcast, just go and subscribe on iTunes or Stitchers or anywhere else where you consume. We also post all of our videos on YouTube on our channel. And we would really appreciate if you can go online and give us a rating. That helps a lot. Uh, until next time, thank you so much. I'm your host, Joseph Dawson. Thank you so much.